HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. And we are back with Heritage Radio Network's coverage of Slow Food Nations here in beautiful, sunny, high-altitude Denver. (laughs) I am Hannah Forden, and I'm very excited to speak with our next guest, Adrian Miller, a.k.a. the Soul Food Scholar. Yes. Um, So Adrian has a really impressive biography. He is a food writer, an attorney, a certified barbecue judge, uh, and he is based in Denver, Adrian has served as a special assistant to President Bill Clinton and a senior policy analyst for Colorado Governor Bill Ritter Jr., and he has also been on the board of the Southern Foodways Alliance. His first book, Soul Food, The Surprising History of an American Cuisine One Plate at a Time, won the James Beard Foundation Award for Scholarship and Reference in 2014. Congratulations. Thank you. His second book, The President's Kitchen Cabinet, the story of the African-Americans who have fed our first families from the Washingtons to the Obamas, was a finalist for the 2018 NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Literary Work Nonfiction. So, very impressive. Thanks. My first question is, you're from Denver originally, and you're an attorney. <laughs> so tell me about how you decided to make your life's mission studying right. soul food. So being born and raised in Denver immediately loses me all street cred on the subject of soul food. Yeah. <laughs> so the way that I win people back is that my parents are from the South. My mom was from Chattanooga, Tennessee. My dad's mm-hmm. from Helena, Arkansas. So this is the food that I grew up eating. So. Uh, While I was practicing law, and this is not to disparage any attorneys. Of course not. But I wasn't feeling it. It got to the point where I was singing spirituals in my office. (laughs) So I figured I should do something else. Um, You know how depressing it is when the sun's rising and you're seeing Deo while you're in your office? That's just not a good vibe. Yeah, it's long days. Yeah. So um, I was going to open a soul food restaurant, but I got a chance to work in the Clinton White House. And so I did that for about a couple years. And then in between working in the Clinton White House... And coming back to Colorado, you know, I was looking for a job. The job market was slow. I was watching a lot of daytime television. (laughs) And I said, you know, I should read something. So I went to the bookstore, and I found a book on the shelves called Southern Food at Home on the Road in History, written by John Edgerton. In that book, he said the tribute to African-American cooks has yet to be written. Mm. So I just emailed him cold because the book was about 10 years old when I got it. And I just thought somebody had done the work. And he said, you know, nobody's really taken on the work. So with no qualifications at all, except for eating a lot of soul food and cooking it some, that started me on the journey. Wow, that's really exciting. And it's, I mean, it sounds like it was part of your upbringing too, like were your parents cooking more traditional Southern meals at home? Yeah. I'm sure that defined your taste. Mm -hmm. Um, So how would you define soul food? I mean, I I feel like there's a lot of 
sort of misunderstandings, and I know especially like up north we have maybe a cliche <laughs> view of it. Um, right. So how would you define it? So I, I often describe soul food as one of the traditional cuisines for African Americans because some people have made soul food shorthand for all African American cooking, and I think that Creole cooking, the cooking of the Low Country, you know, the Carolinas, mm-hmm. I think that's all very different. Um, But it's really the food of the interior South that um, actually gets taken out of the South during the Great Migration. And so soul food to me is different than Southern food. There's a lot of overlap, common ingredients, but I think soul food has more um, different technique. I think it has more seasoning. I think there's more of an emphasis on variety meats, although that's changing because variety meats are now being more and more celebrated. Um, And and soul food tends to just be uh, spicier Mm -hmm. and I think just have different preparation. But... And if I were going to give you a soul food meal, and this is the way I write my first book, um, and I'm used to call and response, so please respond I as it. I okay. <laughs> so fried chicken. Okay, yum. Catfish. All right. Yes. Yum. Or chitlins. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We've got some fans in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> then side dishes would be greens. Okay. And the soul food greens are collard, kale, mustard, turnip, and cabbage. So if you discovered kale in the last five to ten years, welcome to the party. We've been eating it for about three hundred. <laughs> yeah. Uh, black eyed peas, candy jams, which are sweet potatoes, mac and cheese, wrote a chapter about cornbread, Yum. chapter about hot sauce. Then I wrote a chapter about red drink because I believe red Kool-Aid is the official soul food drink. And uh, then I couldn't decide on one dessert, so I wrote about four. Pound cake, <laughs> peach cobbler, banana pudding, Ugh. sweet potato pie. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Yes. We just got a really hearty amen from <laughs> everyone in the vicinity. Um, yeah, there's nothing better than banana pudding. It's just, yes. It's the best, isn't it's it? It's so good. I got to ask you, are you used to your banana pudding being served warm or cold? I think I've only ever had it cold. Okay. I've had it warm recently. It's oh, all right. Really? But, I, I but mean, that's I, not traditional, no, right? No, no, no. I'd rather have it cold. It's like refreshing. And it's, yeah, 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 absolutely. Straight from the fridge. Yeah. I love that. So I have to ask, because you worked in the Clinton White House and you also wrote about White House kitchens... And we've been hearing some things about well-done steak with ketchup, <laughs> and we don't have to talk about that at all. But I'm curious about um, what the, the food culture was like, what the kitchen was like in the Clinton White House, and, and what you saw. So in the Clinton White House? Well, okay. you can, I mean, feel free to elaborate, but I know because yeah. you, you worked so in it. Southern food is the vibe of the White House kitchen yeah. because it's situated in the South. And every president has had an African-American cooking for them in some capacity. So typically what we would call Southern food, soul food right. has been the typical cooking in the, in the white house. So, um, but you know, as different presidents come in, they also want the top, their favorite foods. So depending on where they grew up, it might have a different vibe, but Southern food is basically the foundational cuisine of white house cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience is in the Clinton white house. So one thing is you probably heard stories about president Clinton. He makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. Right. I never got that. <laughs> Every time I talked to the dude, you know, it was like the first time I'd say, Mr. President, blank look. Maybe you have to be a lady for that too. Yeah, uh, probably. Pie. Yeah, you know. Unfortunately. So, but I still had a lot of fun there. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the Clinton White House, one thing that um, I don't think Hillary Clinton gets enough credit for doing is she really turned White House cooking in terms of state dinners and other things to a celebration of American regional food. Oh, well, yeah. I feel like Yeah, because before that, the that. pretty much White House entertaining food was French. Right. That was the food, you know, of entertainment, diplomacy, that sort of thing. She really pivoted towards American food and celebrating that. And now, and it's been that way ever since. So I don't think yeah. she gets enough credit 
for what she did there. That's so interesting. Yeah, I feel like I've not heard about that. I mean, obviously, we all know about Michelle Obama's garden and all of her amazing work surrounding food. But yeah, Hillary doesn't get a lot of now, credit for that. If I only knew that she carried hot sauce in her bag, I would have been, <laughs> been all over that. New best friend. <laughs> um, so... I feel like, you know, we've been hearing a lot of really amazing conversations here at Slow Food, and it's been really inspirational. And so I want to get your take, because this is kind of your area of expertise, of the intersection of politics, history, and food. Because I think that's kind of like, we all have to get an understanding of that to be able to move forward. And especially as it relates to African-American cuisine, like having an understanding and like internalizing that history is an important part to like embrace our food culture and move forward and celebrate it. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in food for several reasons. First, I think that food tells the story of a people. Absolutely. Um, But I also think food is a powerful way to connect us. And I'm very interested in racial reconciliation. And um, so I'm looking at, there's a lot of conversations about as divided as our society is in many ways. In some ways we're not, but in many ways we are. How can we come together? And there's so many creative ideas right now surrounded about food, just getting us to the table. Because when you're at a table with somebody, you recognize their humanity. And when somebody cooks for you and serves you food, in a way they're saying they care about your survival. Absolutely. They're saying saying I love you. It's an act of love. Absolutely. Even if the food is straight nasty, at least they made the effort, right? Um, But I'm also interested in the social mobility of food. Mm -hmm. As I looked at soul food, so soul food gets dissed a lot because it's viewed as unhealthy and the food, uh, like slave food. Right. But when you look at some of these dishes that I named in my meal, at one point they were considered prestige foods in some culture. Like mac and cheese started as royalty food. It's, I mean, in my heart it still is. (laughs) And even chitlin, something like chitlin was something that rich white people were eating in the 1600s and 1700s. And that blows a lot of people's minds. That's really interesting. Because you never think of chitlins that way. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, um, what are, you, are there any events that you're participating in that you're excited about this weekend? I know you're from Denver, so it must be really fun to see downtown kind of transform right. in a celebration of food. So I'm curious like, what you're excited for, maybe things you've heard or tasted. Yeah. Well, so I did a cooking demo earlier today. So I Excellent. demonstrated some mixed greens with smoked turkey. And then I did something called hibiscus aid, mm. which I think is the original red drink because <gasps> hibiscus is actually native to West Africa. Oh, wow. And they have a drink there called bisop, which is a kind of a tea made with the flowers and sweetened to taste. So that comes across the Atlantic, becomes sorrel, and then goes around Latin America. So if you go to a taqueria mm-hmm. and have agua de Jamaica, you're drinking a similar drink. But I've been really interested in kind of the, the chef workshops and talks about different aspects of food culture. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to, I'm not going to lie. I love the eating celebrations, like the big eat. Were you here for that? Uh, was that here on, in on the... Thursday night? Yeah, that was... Oh, no, Thursday night I flew in. No, but I did get to do that. I think it was called Taste Colorado that okay. was here in Larimer Square. All that, that tasting, incredible. that's what I love. Yeah. Just to, just to see the creative things that chefs are doing right now. And to be able to have FaceTime with them, too, and talk about it. and Ask them about what inspired that dish, find out how they make it. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't see any chitlins, though, but, you know, maybe next year. Next year, yeah, for sure. What did you cook for your demo? You you made your hibiscus tea. Was that all that you made, or did you do some? Oh, so, yeah, that was the the hibiscus aid was the drink. And then for the the dish that I made, the mix, I did mustard and turnip greens with some smoked turkey. And then I made a vegetarian option for people who wanted a sample. Ooh, delicious. My favorite things to eat and cook um, in the soul food genre are greens and black eyed peas. I love that. With some cornbread. 
and and that's all you need. Yeah. Like nutritionally, you're like, okay, that's yeah. that's a perfect meal. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So a little bird told me that there is a new book in the works for you. I would love to hear about that. Yeah. So my next book is going to be a history of African American barbecue culture. Because unfortunately, when you watch TV or look at media, all of these celebrations of barbecue, they don't mention African Americans. And I think that's just jacked up. Let me just give you a little tidbit. Did you know that there's a barbecue hall of fame in Kansas City? I think I did. There's 27 inductees. How many do you think are African American? One. Ah! Guy Fieri is in the barbecue hall of fame. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm just making a a point. (laughs) But, yeah, you know, there's, there's all these people that should be uh, celebrated. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that book. It'll be out in a couple of years because I'm just starting. So just like my soul food book, I need to eat my way through the country and explore barbecue. But the working title for that book is Black Smoke. I love it. That's tight, huh? I love it. All right. Don't let anyone even remotely try to talk you out of that. That's oh, I'm not. an incredible title. Um, and I know we just recently um, sat down in the studio with Rodney Scott, and I haven't had the privilege of tasting his barbecue, but I will literally jump at any opportunity I can. But I'm curious, who are your, some of your favorite barbecue specialists out there? Oh, yeah, those, that's great. Great question. So I've been to Rodney Scott's, so I, I went to his original location in Hemingway, mm, South Carolina, mm-hmm. so I know he's opened one up in, um, in Charleston. Charleston. Yep. So I like that a lot. Um, you know, here we've got some good local stuff. There's a place called Owl Bear um, that I like and Roaming Buffalo um, and Wayne's and Boney's Smokehouse. So we've got some good stuff here. And then in Kansas City, I like a place called LC's. You don't hear a lot about it because Kansas City Joe's, Arthur Bryant's, and Gates get a lot of love. But LC's is a place that a lot of locals, I think, are feeling. And then most recently, I was in a place in Los Angeles called Bloodsos, And it's on... Um, it's on La Brea because he had one in Compton, but he has one in kind of North Hollywood, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was pretty slamming. Nice. And you don't hear about L.A. barbecue being Yeah, you don't really hear about L.A. Yeah. barbecue. They think it's tofu or something. But no, <laughs> this was good because he's from Texas. So I think right. it's just bringing his heritage out there. So those are the places. Oh, and also in Alabama, there's a place called Dreamland. Mm. And here's the thing. You walk in. Now, this is the old school joint. I think it's changed a little bit. When you used to go to the old school joint, they would just ask you how many you want. And that means how many ribs. So you got ribs, white bread, and then a drink. And that was it. Like you need anything else, right? You don't. Right. All the basic food groups. That sounds great. So we've got our barbecue tour uh, planned out based on your recommendations. Check, check, check. Um, And unfortunately, we're out of time, but I had such a great time talking to you, Adrian Miller, um, and really looking forward to when Black Smoke comes out. Um, We are Heritage Radio Network broadcasting live from Slow Food Nations in Denver. We're going to be doing live interviews all day today and tomorrow, and um, we're going to take a quick break, but first we're going to thank our sponsors for making our coverage possible. Uh, We want to thank our friends at Hearst Ranch, the Julia Child Foundation, and the very lovely Julie Schaefer. So we'll be back in a minute with more interviews, so stay tuned. Thank you.